0: Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the true story of survival and escape under one of the world's most oppressive regimes, as told in A River in Darkness. Written by Masaji Ishikawa, this book transports readers to the grim reality of life in North Korea, a narrative shaped by the author's first hand experiences. Born to a Korean father and Japanese mother, Ishikawa recounts his family's relocation to North Korea under false promises of prosperity, only to be met with a stark existence marred by backbreaking labor, pervasive terror, and profound suffering. His poignant memoir is not just a chronicle of personal strife. It also serves as a sobering glimpse into the everyday lives of countless individuals ensnared by the totalitarian state, a testament to the human will to survive, A River in Darkness, is a gripping tale of Ishikawa's harrowing journey to freedom after a grueling life in the hermit kingdom. Eventually returning to Japan in 1996, he offers the world a stark, bleak look behind the curtain of North Korean propaganda, where the promise of a worker's paradise is nothing more than a one-way ticket into darkness. This memoir is not only critically acclaimed as an Amazon Charts most-read and most-sold book, but also holds profound relevance for human rights advocates, history enthusiasts intrigued by the intricacies of the Cold War, and readers drawn to the enduring resilience found in true life survival stories. Join us as we explore the depths of Ishikawa's relentless quest for liberty and the arduous path that led him out of the shadows and into the light. A river in darkness, one man's escape from North Korea. Introduction. Escape to an illusion of paradise. The lure of a better life in North Korea. Imagine a life beset by struggle, where a glimmer of hope beckons from afar. That's what thousands of Koreans living in Japan felt when they were promised a utopian dream in North Korea in the mid-20th century. Duped by propaganda, these individuals, including the family of Masaji Ishikawa, embarked on a journey to their ancestral homeland, anticipating a life unfettered by discrimination and full of opportunities. Masaji's tale begins with his family's migration, spurred by the tempting images and assurances that North Korea was an earthly paradise for ethnic Koreans. However, this supposed Eden was nothing but an intricate mirage. Settling there, they soon realized that the harsh realities of life under a totalitarian regime far outweighed the hardships they had encountered as minorities in Japan. The indoctrination machine, navigating childhood under a watchful eye. For young Masaji, the reality of his new home quickly took hold as he entered the North Korean education system. There, he discovered that school was less about learning and more about indoctrination. Every facet of education was infused with state ideology, venerating the leader and ingraining absolute obedience. The slightest deviance from the party line could lead to grave consequences, not just for the individual, but for their entire family. Masaji's narrative invites the listener to walk with him through the austere corridors of his school, sharing eye opening experiences that reflect the oppressive environment children grow up in. The relentless propaganda, the fear-induced conformity, and the suppression of questioning minds reveal the dark undercurrent running beneath the veneer of solidarity the regime showcases to the world. A perilous quest for liberty, the treacherous path to escape North Korea. As Ishikawa grew older, the daily toil and ever-present specter of hardship in North Korea grew unbearable. With famine looming and the regime's grip as tight as ever, The decision to flee to China became the only perceivable escape route for a chance at freedom. Yet, the journey was fraught with danger. The odds were significantly stacked against those who dared to dream of life beyond the border. Listeners will find themselves on the edge of their seats as Masaji's perilous escape to freedom unfolds, rooted in sheer desperation and audacious hope His story sheds light on the harrowing treks undertaken by many North Korean defectors, underscored by the understanding that turning back is not an option, while success is a matter of life and death. In A River in Darkness, Masaji Ishikawa offers more than just a memoir. He presents a stark illumination of the human spirit's resilience alongside a sobering testament to the realities of life under one of the most enigmatic and repressive regimes in modern history. Through his eyes, we see the crushing weight of authoritarian rule and the indomitable will of those who aspire to taste the sweetness of freedom, however perilous the path may be. Part One, A Journey from Japan to North Korea, When Hope Turned to Disillusionment In a Herculean Exodus, a mix of hopeful Koreans and Japanese citizens sailed away from their lives in Japan, beckoned by the promises of a socialist utopia across the sea. More than a hundred thousand were enticed by the allure of a paradise on earth, a phrase that would soon taste bitter in their mouths. The hopeful voyage warped into dismay the moment Ishikawa's family and others disembarked. The North Korean shore crew's ragged attire was a stark contrast to the visions of prosperity they were sold, signalling, perhaps, the first crack in their dream. Further confirmation came with their inaugural meal, a spread of foul-smelling dog meat that revolted even the hungriest amongst them. The confining cold room they were kept in upon arrival only deepened their sense of foreboding, and upon reaching Dongchong-ri, their assigned village, the reality of their situation became impossible to ignore. Far from the capital city of Pyongyang, where connection holders lived relatively well, they found themselves outcasts, strangers perceived as alien intruders. For Ishikawa, this alienation came to a head on his very first day at school. Branded with both his foreign possessions and the stigma of being Japanese, he quickly adapted to the local customs to avoid drawing attention. His mother, too, despite her education and skills as a nurse, faced the brunt of discrimination. She was met with coldness and denied employment until she could grasp the Korean language. Reduced to foraging to supplement their meagre provisions, Ishikawa's mother wandered the mountains in a silent testament to their shattered hopes. What loomed over the family was a life of hardship and persecution in place of the promised idyllic existence as they tried to scrape together a living on the meagre earning of a father turned farmer. The disillusionment of Ishikawa's family paints a vivid picture of the crushing reality faced by so many who were lured to North Korea under false pretenses, a poignant reminder of the fragility of hope when faced with the harsh truth of authoritarian rule. Part 2. Navigating a Predetermined Path. The Harsh Reality of Schooling in North Korea. Ambitious and eager, Ishikawa clung to the belief that through diligence and academic success, he could lift his family out of their dire situation. Yet, what he encountered within the strict confines of the North Korean educational system was a sobering disillusionment. Ishikawa's fate, he discovered, was not his to dictate. It was instead determined by the rigid caste system of North Korean society, which dictated one's future based on family background, perceived loyalty, and physical capabilities. The elite were funneled toward academia, the strong conscripted into the military, and the rest, those like Ishikawa deemed hostile, were relegated to a life of labor. Any aspirations of breaking from the path laid out before him were swiftly dashed. His academic commitment mattered little in the face of his social classification. When requested to express his vocational desires, Ishikawa pragmatically listed factory work considering it a slight step above the toils of agriculture, only to find the door to even this modest ambition firmly closed. Amidst these crushing disappointments lay the taxing school life, characterized by unyielding indoctrination and onerous societal obligations. Lessons on science and mathematics were enmeshed with propaganda, lauding the great leader Kim Il-sung, leaving no room for independent thought. Students like Ishikawa, who bore the skepticism of an outsider, still had to feign acceptance, for deviating from the accepted narrative could spell severe repercussions. This compelled even the doubters to mouth the regime's doctrines, as silent dissent was often their only shield against suspicion. Rituals such as the annual collection of rabbit pelts added another layer of distress. The task was not only physically challenging, but morally taxing as families grappling with starvation were forced to consume the very rabbits meant for military attire. The alternative, failing to produce the required pelts, invited brutal punishment unless a parent had the means to bribe educators with scarce commodities like tobacco or alcohol. Ishikawa's narrative unveils the stark circumstances faced by students in North Korea, a life of stringent obedience, relentless propaganda, and enforced social stratification leaving little room for dreams. In this oppressive backdrop, even the smallest acts of compliance became necessary for survival, painting a grim portrait of a youth spent under the shadow of an unyielding dictatorship. Part 3. Under the grip of relentless control, survival amidst North Korea's iron-fisted ruling. In the year when signs of new life typically herald a change of season, 1968 marked a stark turn of events in Ishikawa's village. The clattering arrival of military trucks signaled the beginning of a much grimmer chapter, as soldiers declared the village a garrison, though the enemy they defended against was as invisible as the rationale behind their occupation. Kim Chan Bon, a formidable figure among Kim Il Song's cadre, was at the helm of this oppressive wave, dousing the villagers' lives with fear and uncertainty. A knock at the door and the brusque orders of soldiers uprooted Ishikawa's family from their home without explanation, derision and threats replacing any semblance of humane interaction. As if carving away at the villagers' dignity, soldiers commandeered equipment, pilfered livestock, and left the people in a tightened vice of deprivation. The villagers, including Ishikawa's family, were bullied into the neighboring settlement of Pyongyangri all under the soldiers' contemptuous watch. And as suddenly as they had swarmed the village, the soldiers vanished a year later. The reason was chillingly mundane for a totalitarian regime. The once-favored Kim Chambon had overstepped an unseen boundary and fell victim to Kim Il-sung's purges to prevent any potential threats to his rule. The authority's stranglehold was everywhere, its omnipotence matched only by its corruption. Ishikawa narrates a society where food, doled out by the rationing whims of the state, became a prerogative of the connected and powerful, leaving the vulnerable and ailing even more destitute. Greed and graft leached into the fabric of daily life, with bribery and larceny becoming necessary evils, not just for luxuries but mere survival. The resulting degradation was profound, humanity eroded in transactions that replaced kindness with currency. Ishikawa recounts his heart-wrenching endeavour to seek aid for a grievously ill neighbour, only to be met with a doctor's cold avarice. Denied assistance unless he could provide payment or a bribe, he was confronted with the stark, dehumanising reality of life in North Korea, where corruption had tainted even the noblest of services, anguishing proof of how an unyielding dictatorship could strip its citizens of their humanity. Part 4 when survival hinges on the unthinkable, grappling with famine in North Korea. The fabric of North Korean society was irrevocably altered on July 8, 1994. The death of Kim Il-sung, the nation's great leader, plunged the country into collective hysteria and personal turmoil. Conflicting emotions ravaged Ishikawa as well, fear and relief intertwined leaving him reeling in speculation about the uncertainty ahead. Yet the void left by the leader's death heralded not an upturn, but a deeper descent into catastrophe. A devastating famine gripped the country between 1991 and 2000, mercilessly claiming the lives of around three million people. Tyrannised by extreme cold, then floods that ravaged the already fragile agricultural sector, the country's food reserves were decimated. Initially, meagre rations, a mere one and a half pounds of grain per person, were meted out, but even that scanty allotment tapered off to want and nothingness. Hunger became a constant companion, stalking the citizens from the shadowed alleys to the decrepit countryside, claiming the weak where they collapsed. Children with gaunt faces scoured the streets for food, as the specter of starvation loomed ominously, ever-present, ever-merciless. In this grim landscape, where existence teetered on a razor's edge, the unthinkable became a brutal recourse. Stories circulated of macabre acts fueled by hunger, a man driven to cannibalize his spouse, an act that, if discovered, was punished by the most public and grisly of executions. Even crime, Often the last bastion for those clawing for survival, reflected the dire straits of the times. Ishikawa recounts one such predicament that befell his own father. A mysterious offer to sell a whale's penis, a prized object in traditional medicine, seemed like a way out until deceit and theft exposed the fatal folly of hope amidst depravity. The aftermath was brutal, as gangland retribution battered their household. Dragging Ishikawa's father into a vortex of despair and violence, ultimately breaking him. This personal tragedy, meshed with the pervasive doom of the famine, paints a stark portrayal of a period where to live was to flout death, and human dignity was the costliest sacrifice on the altar of survival. Part 5 The Harrowing Journey to Freedom Crossing the Yalu River into China. In the midst of widespread famine, And inescapable oppression, Ishikawa faced an existential reckoning. The choice was stark succumb to the slow death that North Korea seemed to offer, or take fate into his own hands and attempt the treacherous journey back to Japan. If successful, it was a chance not only for his own survival, but also an opportunity to send aid to his struggling family. With this glint of hope, despite the immense risks, Ishikawa bid a heavy hearted farewell and navigated his way to the capital, Pyongyang. The Yalu River stands as a fluid boundary between life and death for many North Koreans seeking escape, a treacherous expanse that promises hope on the other side but holds the specter of death for those caught attempting the cross. Tales of barbaric punishment for the act of fleeing serve as a grim deterrent. The infamous nose ring case Ishikawa heard of where a captured family facing a grossly inhumane and lethal penalty underscored the dire consequences of failure. Aware of the daunting odds driven by a pact of blood-signed friendship between North Korea and China, which often sees defectors forcibly return to the nightmare they fled from, Ishikawa nevertheless pressed on toward the Yalu River in Hyesan. Upon his arrival, a daunting sight unfolded. Soldiers, vigilant and armed, peppered the riverbank, their eyes a constant threat to his secretive passage. Ishikawa's resolve wavered as he questioned the possibility of a successful escape. Fortune, however, came cloaked in the downpour of a stormy night. With heavens obscuring the watchful gaze of soldiers, Ishikawa seized his moment and plunged into the Yalu's racing waters. Yet, Triumph teetered on the edge of tragedy as he neared the far shore, only to be seized by the current and hurled against a rock. Darkness consumed him. Awakening after two days, a disoriented Ishikawa was greeted by the sight of a tail wagging dog, not a source of sustenance as he had been conditioned to view such animals, but a companion, a pet. This simple, joyful sight was the unmistakable sign of his arrival in China. Against harrowing odds and death defying challenges, Ishikawa had achieved the seemingly impossible. His daring swim across the Yalu River marked not just a geographic transition, but the indomitable human spirit's triumph in the relentless quest for liberty. Part 6 The Arduous Odyssey to Repatriation Ishikawa's Precarious Return to Japan. The treacherous waters of the Yalu River behind him, Ishikawa found a semblance of sanctuary through contact with the Japanese Red Cross. His tale, that of a once-Japanese citizen breaking free from North Korean clutches, was unprecedented and startling. The Red Cross swiftly enacted a plan, connecting him with the embassy in Beijing, and after verification, the green light for his return to Japan shone like a beacon of hope. Yet even this beacon flickered with uncertainty, as the journey back to his birth country was fraught with fresh fears. Ishikawa was ensnared by the paranoia that accompanies such tenuous freedom, every sound a potential herald of betrayal and capture. In an unfriendly city, even well-intentioned hospitality offered little relief, as sleep became an elusive ally, chased away by the dread of being discovered. Time ticked by, at a lethargic pace with Ishikawa imprisoning himself in the provided quarters to avoid detection, opening doors with cautious delays, as trust crumbled to dust. When word of his ticket to Japan filtered through, not even the elation of departure could stave off the terror that perhaps prying North Korean ears were also privy to the conversation. A clever ruse was devised. The Japanese consul's wife provided attire befitting a nondescript businessman, and a clandestine tunnel became the passageway to a waiting vehicle. The airport loomed ahead, promising yet harboring potential pitfalls with every step. October 15, 1995, marked Ishikawa's poignant return to Japanese soil after thirty-six years of absence, but the tangible soil of his homeland did little to soften the cultural and social reintegration that lay ahead. Japan's complex society was a puzzle to Ishikawa, leaving him perplexed and unable to secure gainful employment. Reliant on government welfare and grappling with an unfamiliar environment, fitting in was a complex challenge. A fleeting sense of normalcy with a cleaning company was soon overshadowed by whispers of his North Korean past, forcing Ishikawa to preemptively sever ties and retreat once more. Alone and without means, his cherished aim of supporting his family evaporated replaced by the grim news that starvation, the very phantom Ishikawa had escaped, had claimed the lives of his wife and daughter. The fabric of Ishikawa's life, woven with courage and suffused with loss, remains a stark testament to the resilience required to navigate the aftermath of defection and the daunting task of forging a new existence on old soil. Final summary. Masaji Ishikawa's family was drawn away from Japan, by the promise of a better future, a promise cast by the North Korean regime. Yet upon their arrival, the shimmering prospect of prosperity dissipated into a harsh reality, trapping them within a relentless authoritarian web. Life under the North Korean flag was rife with discrimination, scarcity, and the heavy hand of state surveillance, veering drastically from the idyllic life they had been assured. As if the daily grind of surviving under strict state control wasn't punishing enough, a devastating famine struck, further tightening the vice around the people. In these bleakest of times, Ishikawa chose defiance over despair. He crafted a dangerous escape strategy, determined to evade the grip of the regime that had so ruthlessly dictated his fate. His escape through the Yalu River was fraught with peril, but it was a testament to a spirit unwilling to be stifled. Having returned to the land of his birth, Ishikawa faced new challenges, struggling to acclimate to Japanese society and finding himself adrift amid a sea of unfamiliar customs and expectations. Steeled by the trials he had weathered, Ishikawa set his memories to paper, etching a poignant chronicle that sheds unflinching light on the reality of life under one of the world's most repressive governments. A River in Darkness is not merely an autobiography, it is a narrative of profound human suffering, punctuated by acts of immense courage. Masaji Ishikawa's story stands as a beacon of resilience and a somber reminder of the enduring struggle for freedom and dignity that defines so many lives caught in the shadows of totalitarian regimes.